Hello and welcome to the Analytics FC podcast. I'm John McKenzie, Head of Content, and I've been tasked with reviving the Analytics FC podcast after an incredible four-year absence, during which time the previous hosts have moved on into ever-increasingly impressive jobs in the industry, and one of whom I'll be talking to today. Before we get onto that, though, on the business side of things, the company is going from strength to strength with new clients in Finland, Belgium, and in the Premier League. We're also using our website as a place to highlight interesting ideas and showcase exciting new thinkers in the analytics space. This month we started a regular scouting column and our featured article focuses on the impact of Brexit on player recruitment. We also have a brand new newsletter which will see its first issue drop next week. If any of this sounds interesting, do head over to our website www.analyticsfc.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at AnalyticsFC. On the Analytics FC podcast, we'll be putting out episodes every month with a thematic focus, from using data to analyse injuries, to quantifying the cognitive aspect of football, to working with agents, to the use of tracking data. This week I spoke to Tom Warville about analytics and the media, focusing on the challenges faced by presenting data to a public audience, and asking what, if anything, analytics can learn from the use of data in the media space. Tom Warville was one of the founders of Analytics FC. From there, he went to Opta, where he worked for four years, and since 2020, Tom has been the Athletics Football Analytics Writer, where he has overseen the rollout of a form of data journalism across their platform. Here's what Tom had to say. Tom Orville, hello. Hi, John. To begin with, let's talk about your career trajectory to date for those people who don't really know how you ended up doing what you're doing. I think it's fair to say that most people working in data analytics in football go into it with the goal of ending up working for a football club in the long run. You've ended up working for a media outlet. Can you give us a brief history of how you ended up working for The Athletic? I guess it really starts back in, I want to say 2014 now, when I started kind of blogging and and I mean my blog was Analytics FC <laughs> it kind of is what the what this company is is now and I was you know blogging about metrics and players and I had a real focus on MLS at the time just because you could get salary cap data and for me that was a, an interesting thing to to look at um, as I was studying economics at the time you know we kind of did a bit of consultancy work when we turned Analytics FC into a you know, a consultancy and did a podcast and spoke to the likes of Gab Marcotti and, and Michael Cox, which is uh, quite funny that it's kind of come full circle a bit now and we have a podcast together. But yeah, I, I left university, I joined Opta, I was at Opta for I think about four years and Opta very much is a bit of a finishing school for data scientists, data analysts really to go into the club world. So I definitely had in my mind kind of, I'd spend two to three years at Opta, I would learn a hell of a lot more in terms of like technical skills, coding, modeling, get to see clubs because Opta Pro at the time was was very prevalent having, I think they had a relationship with like 18 of 20 Premier League teams season on season when I was there. Sam Green was a data scientist at Opta, he went to work for Aston Villa, now works for 15th club. Devin Plula left Opta for Toronto FC and he's still there. And Sam Gregory recently joined into Miami as a data scientist, so I thought that was a, a pretty well-trodden path. Mm. And then over time I came to realise that Clubland maybe it wasn't the experience I was looking for. And you know there are opportunities but there are always disagreements on you know pay or, or how much impact I, in my mind I thought I might have. And I kind of found myself enjoying doing content stuff at Opta more and more and this opportunity at Athletic kind of 
came up and we spitballed what an analytics writer looks like because there's you know I'm probably the only person in the UK really with this with the title of being a full-time analytics writer which is equally quite cool and obviously very unique and I do feel super lucky to to have this role so um yeah I I just found myself wanting to do more content stuff wanting to kind of be front of house and a lot of the work we did back at Opta would stay behind closed doors and I kind of wanted to maybe build a bit more of a profile and have a bit more of an impact so um yeah I guess that's the the elevator pitch of sorts hmm. of, of how I got to here. Do you think Tom Warville five years ago would have been surprised that you would end up in journalism rather than in club work? Yeah definitely I mean I always I was obsessed with 538 five years ago so there's a bit, bit of me which thinks that you know, maybe I'd like to do something one day, but I never pursued it up until probably, you know, a year or so ago when this opportunity came up. So, um, yeah, definitely. I probably thought I'd be wearing a, a club and blazing tracksuit at this point <laughs> and not be doing what I am doing. I'm interested in you saying that you were spitballing the, the sort of role that you're now doing. So it might be good to talk a little bit about your day-to-day job. What does it look like for you working for The Athletic? A lot of it will will be the first first port of call in the morning was I'll, I'll call my editor and we'll chat through kind of ideas for the day. And I kind of have a, a target in my head of contributing to three pieces a week. And that's kind of it, a, a quite a uniform goal across the athletic for, for most writers. It's kind of changed a little bit recently because we hired a, a data analyst called Mark Carey, who is fantastic and, and really positive and keen and just picks things up very quickly, which makes my life a lot easier so I guess it's a split between like uh, more longer form pieces which I'll collaborate either with another writer on or or on my own or kind of more ad hoc requests which a writer just needs a a table of data or some bullet points or something explaining and we have kind of a a steady stream of those requests throughout the day which myself or Mark usually Mark at this point will kind of knock together and then yeah other stuff will just be kind of prepping for the zonal marking podcast which i do with michael cox uh, and ali maxwell and then building some of our kind of internal tools as well i always went into the athletic wanting to create kind of a strong brand a strong look for our, our data viz and having that as something that readers can look for on our pieces and and something that really defines us and i spend a lot of time building templates updating our libraries there's a bit of i guess software development in my job as well which is completely different to all the other writers really Given that you have commitments to deadlines of your own, as you've just mentioned, as well as a responsibility to help out your colleagues, how much actual analysis are you doing? Do you feel as though that's an important side of your job to keep up with that cutting edge of the analytics world? I guess there's an element of like, I'd love to be able to spend a bit more time modeling and building things mm. and like this, this stuff in the market, which I'd love to play with as the kind of skill corner have an open data set. I have access to sport logic data, which I'd love to be able to dig into a little bit more. So I think that there are probably fewer periods of downtime, which I'd like to really dig into the data I have and, and maybe create new things from it. But that being said, you know, I try and spin a lot of pieces into a means of being able to do that so i think hopefully by the time this this pod comes out i've been working on a piece with sport logic and they've been really helpful kind of back and forth getting into the weeds of their physical stats and their physical data around you know distances sprints high intensity runs all that kind of stuff and i've never really read a piece like it because that data has never really been public so i do try and sometimes push pieces that means i get to explore a whole league's worth of data and learn kind of a lot of things in, in one go Obviously, a lot of professional data analysis is all about that, keeping up with the cutting edge of research. I suppose what's interesting about your position is that because you're presenting material for a public audience, 
it raises the question, you know, how important is it for the public audience to be at that cutting edge? How much analysis right now is beyond the scope of what a public audience needs or even wants to know? I think there's a a balance really between both that of, of like, is there a coherent story in here or is it just interesting research? But also there's sometimes where I feel like something cutting edge and interesting will come out, but it's not something that you could you know, update weekly, say, or you could do more than a one-off in a season. And I think for me, that kind of puts me off from doing some of these things. I guess we've had opportunities in the past to work with other providers of tracking data and you can get a good a good insight into a, a single snippet of a data set. But if it's not something we can really use over and over again, I'm, I'm more inclined to to focus on other things which maybe we could we could replicate or kind of, I don't know, if we're spending time on the piece and, and writing code and building stuff, can we do it so that we can actually run this again in six months and maybe it's a, a slightly different piece. So yeah, there's there's a balance. And I think hopefully that a lot of the readership appreciate the fact that stuff isn't too technical. It doesn't feel like you're reading a, a Sloan paper or a, you know a, a very technical paper. It is very much trying to blend in the stats and the data and the visuals with a usual piece that you'd come to read on The Athletic. I think the the central topic that's coming out here is this notion of the role of the public analyst. There's an interesting trajectory in football analysis, which sees amateur analysts doing public work before becoming quote-unquote professionalised and working for clubs or data companies. And you've already made that shift and then moved back again. So how is working for a company where your task is to explain things for a public audience, how has that changed your ideas about the role of the analyst? Yeah, I think that's a, a great question, really, because, yeah, it, I guess it's a bit of a funny one. You do see a lot of people striving to move to clubs and then, you know, or you know, companies. And then, yeah, I've probably taken the the other route and kind of backed out of it. And I think that a lot of the time with company stuff, you're, you're I mean, obviously you're selling. And with clubs, it's you're answering questions or you're doing work, which is hyper specific to your club. And I think that at The Athletic, the thing that I probably learned most is I, I feel I just have a really decent knowledge of like every Premier League team now, whereas maybe back at back at Opta we're focusing more on like the big hitting things that uh, that week, but it's usually I guess focused a bit more on, on the larger clubs. I also think that there's probably like elements of things inside clubs that are interesting, but in to kind of in the public space for the general public, the the football reading public maybe aren't as aren't as interesting. And I, I, I don't know, I think I've picked up a lot of stuff that if I'd come into this world directly and not through Opta or, you know, doing old stuff for, for clubs, there's probably changes in my, my process that I've learned. You know, I've learned to code in a more of a professional domain at Opta and, and others have kind of done similar and picked up things there that you just never have the time to learn in this job directly. So it's been useful to go in and kind of understand like right what are, what are the like best ways of working in a startup type atmosphere and then bring that out to to journalism looking at it from my perspective as well you have this really interesting differentiation between those two tasks insofar as you know as you've said as a professional analyst you're you you have a very clear goal in mind which is you know you're looking for marginal gains you're looking for ways to to change the way that uh, football clubs run or, or however it's going to be implemented whereas I suppose in the the role of the public analyst is is very much more about how do I take these statistical realities and make them applicable to to people who are just reading out of interest right which is an entirely different approach so I suppose that, that that leads me on to the question of how how does this change your analysis? How does 
you realizing that your goal isn't necessarily to be looking for these sort of small marginal gains, but to look for sort of, I guess, more big picture stuff that a public audience might view. How does how does that change your analysis? And, and what do you do differently for The Athletic than you did for Opta and Slash Stats Perform? With The Athletic, it's just so much more around storytelling, telling a good story and finding that killer stat that leads so well into a, a piece and that you can kind of hook on other stuff off the back of that. And I think Opta and Stats Perform is very much like I got into the mindset of like, how can I automate this stuff or how can I create a report and then scale it up such that other people can access it. And it was more, I mean, in the end, it was very much more like building software and we weren't really like directly affecting the insights of either the Opta editorial team. We kind of build tools for them to use. And then on the Opta Pro side, again, it was how do we build tools which they can like access reports that are then sold to clubs. The Athletic, on the other hand, isn't like, I'm trying to build tools, but then it's like you're building tools that maybe a bit more focus on like they push the narratives to the writers or you're kind of building the data literacy of both a readership but also the writers who you're working alongside and I do think there's something of an analog where I I mean I usually think of it in my head as like I am the head of analytics of a club but it's not a club it's the athletic and instead of scouts or players or coaches I've got other writers and editors who want to use this stuff want to use it correctly and I have a bit of a responsibility to make it easier for them to get things that are good and useful and tell good stories um, and also that they kind of understand things and, and are using them properly. So there's a bit of duality between the two but um, I definitely think at The Athletic like there's more content that's out there which is bespoke and it's not all about kind of like building software and tools and trying to scale insights really. Do you think the industry can learn from the media side of things then, the stuff that you're doing now? If you were to go back and work in the industry and in that more sort of professional capacity do you think that you would be able to take things that you've learned working for The Athletic and, and take them back with you into the industry? Yeah, I've thought a lot about like, like I just think reporting, building like PDF or HTML or whatever kind of reports you do in a, like a scouting context are, are so useful and so important. But like you do need that layer of storytelling and customization which even if it's just a text box of bullet points that just says oh here's you know my opinion on this or if it's some annotations on a graphic that's in a report like there's little things like that which which make the work less sterile and and better I guess and, and more personable and tells a bit of a story about a player or a team or something like that and yeah I don't know at the end of the day I just think that so much of this is is storytelling and I hadn't really viewed it in that sense before but when you do it's so obvious that that's essentially what it is and, and and any you know meeting you go into the coaches and you are talking about the upcoming opposition or you're doing a round table with the scouts talking about players like there's a, a story you're trying to sell on a certain player or a certain team and I guess the other thing which I, I didn't really appreciate until now is just and I said it before but my football knowledge and my way of contextualizing these stats is so much better now than it was at Opta because you have that direct feedback loop with a writer who's saying yeah, I get that Man City's XG has changed from last season to this season, but like, why is that? And it makes you dig so much further, kind of tactically, and and realise that there's so many more angles, even just around like formations and player usage and things like that. That I think before I was kind of like naive to as an analyst, and I think that's been really useful because you can only get 200 words out of Man City's XG per 90 is dropped and you've got six, seven, eight hundred 800 more to fill and people want to know why. A table of data doesn't always tell the whole story. So I think that side of it as well has is, is been huge for me and I think you'd learn the football side in a club, of course you would, but I've definitely learned it at the, the Athletic as well. 
I'd like to spend some time talking about the shifting media landscape, which has seen a growing interest in smarter analysis amongst the public audience. The Athletic took a really interesting trajectory on this insofar as you were pretty much creating this new position, which this sort of analytics journalist. And The Athletic has picked up on that growing interest and is looking to provide that sort of content that's being increasingly asked for. How do you see the industry in general filling that niche? Do you think that there's anyone close to doing what The Athletic is doing in this regard? I'd probably say no. And I think that is mainly because at the moment, like other papers or other, you know, large digital publications like the BBC or elsewhere, they don't have the people on staff to do this stuff or to fully get their head around it and, and do it maybe in the, the same way that we at The Athletic do it without being on my high horse too much. It's interesting. I was kind of, I guess for me, success in this role when I came in was very much like I would love to be able to come out and it's still early days, but in a few years time and see that like a rival paper is, is, or you know, a rival site or someone has hired a similar a person in a similar role because they then see that that's like something which is useful and interesting and is serving their, their audience. And it hasn't happened yet, but it, I think it hasn't happened because like those publications aren't seeing that this is an area of interest. And for us, that's great because we get tons of readers on our stuff. The appetite from our writers to write more analytics fueled pieces, even just, you know, their match reports and not necessarily like the longer form reads is great because I think it, we are definitely the kind of premier place that if you want to read informed analysis that is using stats in the right way to tell stories and is completely switched on to the nuances and uh, and the, the do's and don'ts of doing that, then, yeah, it's it's kind of the best, the best stuff out there you can get, really. So, I don't know, in terms of the industry filling that niche, I think it's, it's going to take time. It's a tough one to see because I don't have much experience, obviously, like at other places at all. <laughs> But yeah, and maybe at some point, you know, there's another person in the world who's doing the job that I'm doing and we start to see that more places kind of take a, a keener interest. I should probably say that Sky Sports do some good stuff with, with Adam Smith and uh, I mean, Adam Baton there as well, who, who kind of infuses the stats um, really nicely. And I think that a lot of that has been driven from 23 in their content toolbox and the cell, I guess, there isn't to... to you know, hire someone on staff who knows this stuff, but it's to have products which are maybe easier to use and, and are a bit more friendly to those who aren't kind of like completely pro stats or stat heads as it were. So um, that's another way that it, it's going to happen. It's going to be product led and not people led. I think there's a really interesting historical trajectory with The Athletic as well, because you obviously came in probably about, I don't know if exactly, but about six months into them opening the UK football side of things. I wondered how you had found that trajectory because what we've seen, I think, is very much this movement towards getting more and more of their writers stats aware and, and able to introduce that sort of stuff into their writing. How How's it been from your side of things? Have you seen this ability to talk about analytics within a journalistic space has actually proved quite fruitful for a lot of the journalists writing within it because a lot of the journalists in The Athletic came from you sort of mainstream media or local media, but very much from a non-stats perspective. So what's your take on the on the historical trajectory? Because it feels as though that's something that was maybe a bit of an afterthought with The Athletic, but it's something that's really grown since you've arrived at the company. I mean, I wouldn't say I have numbers on it particularly, but it does feel anecdotally that your average kind of match report piece in a week from most of our writers now will include some sort of stats, whereas before it potentially wouldn't. And I think that the sources of those stats are, are different or our writers are asking different questions. Like I'd have thought that up to this point, every single one of our Premier League writers has used XG in a piece. 
since I've arrived and you could attribute that to me you could attribute that to just randomness but one way or another I guess it's had an impact but yeah I, I just see that our writers more now are asking better questions they know the limits of the data they are using the tools themselves and less reliant on me to get their stats and that is even better when you have people who are fully self-serving I think of the likes of, of Charlie Eccleshare who's our Spurs reporter Carl Anker Laurie Whitwell like there's there's several of them who are just really keen to to go and attack this stuff themselves it's just a case of kind of showing them what's what's possible really so it's been both a blessing and a bit of a curse that I mean I joined in February last year three weeks into the role lockdown hit and from that obviously everyone's at home and you can't actually you know have these chats face to face and it's all slack and it's all online but yeah I mean a lot of the writers are they're a phone call away of course and they're super open to this stuff so yeah I think that part of that is due to just the culture and the people who've been hired before I got here are just very open-minded and smart and really really good at what they do and it makes it easier to to work with them to get this stuff into their pieces because they're they're interested and they're keen presentation is something that's fundamental to your job how do you go about the task of transmitting data to your audience that's a great question i went to a kind of data viz conference i think it was in late 2019 it was called encode and there was a presentation by uh, a group called the pudding the website is the pudding.cool which is the most kind of brooklyn website <laughs> i've ever heard their whole presentation like their stuff super visual it's all data backed but it's all like it just looks amazing and their whole shtick was you know you don't tell data you show it and that just really resonated with me and I think that a lot of my pieces and a lot of the stuff which I'll contribute to I I kind of want to if anything let the graphics do the talking for me I want a visual to go up there and it it saves you having to write 400 600 words explaining what it would be so very much like I think that there's a big role in the visuals you use or the the visual vocabulary that you have to, to get that data across and making it look, you know, visually engaging and nice. And, and I think that that really helps. I was speaking to someone at a club in the States recently. They were just saying, like, look, <laughs> we have access to this data and we're really good at mining insights. But our issue is, like, it doesn't look pretty and the coach just can't buy in. And if we just were a bit pretty with our stuff, I think we'd get more interest. And I think that rings true for coaches in a club in the States and it rings true for our readership as well. If you can show them something which is unique and just looks cool or looks different you'll get their attention i really believe that this stuff at times can be extremely dense data wise but hopefully that because it looks nice and it's kind of being shown to you not you're not being told directly it's actually a quite a nice kind of consumption experience have you ever made mistakes when it comes to presentation and transmitting data to your audience do you think oh yeah made made tons of mistakes which i guess some of them are only ones that i would see and know about and that would be around a writer's asking for a certain data set and I've got the wrong filter on it. Or I've, I think the classic one was, and Phil Hay called this out, which uh, is quite a fun one, but we were doing a piece on kind of what, what changed with Calvin Phillips last season um, versus the season prior. I created this like fancy looking graphic of passes into the final third and passes into the penalty area and chances created and all this stuff and I sent it to Phil and I was like Sh- you know shit look at this <laughs> Phillips is doing so much more like it's I was I was like baffled that this wasn't a narrative and there are usually sometimes where I'll have this like big pang of excitement that I found something that the internet hasn't and 
Phil was like, yeah, it's because he's on corners and free kicks, mate. And I was like, ah, just <laughs> times where way, way too kind of headstrong and thinking that I'm, I'm first to something. So that was a, a good lesson to be uh, kind of deadpanned by Phil Hay. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's definitely mistakes on that. And then I guess there's, there's also times where I'll go to great lengths to get some data somehow when I've not really scaled something up. And then you just know the editor is going to come back and say, yeah, can you run that again next week? Because the piece being pushed back now and you've made a bit of a rod of your own back. So there's a bit of a, I guess there's been iteration in like how I manage my code and, and things like that, which is obviously extremely technical. But it, again, it's a similar challenge that I expect people in clubs have of like, how do you balance building tools and, and stuff that you can rely on weekly or daily versus those ad hoc requests which are completely different and you can't actually really rely on stuff you built before some people have probably got a similar workflow to me and some have got completely different and i think that that's fine it's just about what what works for you in the end really i guess there's a opposite side of the same coin here as well in that you can present data that is technically correct but it can be misinterpreted by by people and i guess that that danger is potentially higher when doing public analysis so how do you go about the prevention of the visualization of data from transmitting bad or wrong ideas about analysis yeah that's a good point especially when you've got a, you know a site with a quite a active comment section you will kind of get i guess not called out but sometimes there's there's comments who are super helpful and kind of point to why something might be might be wrong or not in line with what they expected I think at times we have a really good filter system where the way our pieces are edited, our editors will kind of put that hat on of, you know, average subscriber and say, I don't get this, or can you explain this, or we need a uh, we need a bit more of an explainer here. But there's just that good feedback loop, really, and hopefully that plays out in how things are explained and used. I think the one thing which I kind of wish I'd bang the drum a little bit more on is we have a really good relationship with Smarter Scout, which is a data set which we're using quite a few pieces these days. And there's, a, I guess, a bit of a barrier because they're slightly different. Like the way the metrics and ratings are presented is, is different to how most people are used to seeing stats about football. And I kind of wish that there was a way of us having a, written a bit of an explainer piece and like, you know, here's our partnership with Smarter Scout and here's how the metrics mean. And, and it means that we can kind of jump back to that piece over and over again if people want to get kind of acquainted and and we're not burning 50, 60 words per piece explaining kind of what those those things are. So I think that one is something I would definitely like to do more of A in the future and B, you know, if I ever rock up at a, at a club one day, having some sort of handbook to explain things to a new coach or, or something like that, I think is is probably one of those quite boring and slow tasks, but it just pays dividends in the long run, really. You've mentioned that you do a lot of work with club journalists at the Athletic who haven't really got any experience on the data side of things. You were obviously doing a lot of work with with those individuals through time as they as they want to write these these more data heavy pieces i'm interested in how you balance the working relationship so that you're not just writing data pieces for every club that the athletic covers how are you going around that task that you've mentioned already of of enabling these journalists to do their own data work you know the sort of give a man a fish and you feed him for a day teach him how to fish etc how does that come into it i guess to, to some writers it's like cherry picking the ones who we think are I guess not ready, but open and willing to get this data themselves. We'll set them up on ProVision, which is a tool that we use built by a company called True Media Networks. And essentially, it's like a, a really powerful database that's layered over the top of the Opta data that we have access to. They will get a demo from those guys. They get a bit of handholding. And from there, kind of myself and, and Mark are kind of, I guess, the power users. And they come to us with, with questions. But I mean, 
up to this point, most of them find the software easy to use and, and do that themselves. And then we have a kind of Slack channel now for data requests and we'll kind of publish in threads like what the request is, who needs it, when they need it for, go back and forth to get the data. And I think that having that publicly viewable for kind of all of our writers, they can go through and like, okay, I've got a similar question around who are Palace's centre-backs, what pairings this season. And if there's like a similar answer, then they know kind of what to, what to ask or what's possible. I don't think we're going to at least in kind of my lifespan at The Athletic, I, I think like the journalists, most of them will not have time to learn to code. So it's very much like how do we build tools to give them access to the stuff? So again, I just find myself at certain points in my career coming back to like building tools and, and scaling things up so other people can access it, but it's super important. And you see that like that's what people in clubs, I think, end up doing or the for third or fourth hire in a club is a data engineer because they need to scale things up and make things quicker that for us is a key one of, of how do we use our skills and leverage our skills and time to actually make things that mean everyone can go and get insights so is that you know having an app for getting these kind of pizza charts we make or the shop maps that we build in our own kind of look and theme and kind of doing a lot of that stuff ourselves so it's an interesting challenge especially when you know, there's certain things where I'd love to just fire a script off to someone and say, look, you can actually do this yourself. Here you go. But the the skill set of the current football journalist isn't super coding, super technical. And maybe, you know, maybe that changes in the long run as all journalism kind of slowly tends towards being a bit more data informed, a bit more objective potentially. And, and, and those skills are part of the curriculum. I think for now it's it's very much kind of scaling access and making sure that if people need stuff, they can get access to it. That sounds very applicable to the club situation then, in that if you were working as an analyst in a club, you're not going to be able to expect all the people at every level to, to be able to learn how to code and, and to be able to do that sort of analysis. But at the same time, you would want them to get to a point where you are able to integrate data into the stuff that they're doing in a way that works for them. Do you think that there's something that clubs and club analysts can learn from the way that you're doing things at The Athletic? Yeah, I think that, and it's something that we looked at a bit at Opta and, and never really found an optimal way of doing it. But like, I do have a belief that there's very much kind of an 80-20 rule with some of the, uh, some stuff in analytics around just knowing the basics of, of R or Python. You can get so much value out of it. And I think that that is something that, you know, is there an intro to coding course or is there a framework where you can build tools for them to access stuff themselves i think that is a great way of trying to scaling this stuff up because i know people in clubs do a kind of one-man armies and they try and cover everything and, and their output is phenomenal their energy is phenomenal but there is a finite lifespan on that before you know burnout gets you and you can hire support or whatever but i just think that having a, a kind of level of technical competence across a team can can really really help you and I'm intrigued to see how clubs go down that, that path in the future. Because we see more clubs using BI tools like Tableau, like so many clubs use Tableau now, because it's it's easy and you can learn it super quickly. And there's a associated cost with having using that. But if it means that more people can access and, and use your stuff, then that's fantastic. But um, for us, we publish the things that we build and use, and therefore we have to build bespoke tools, bespoke visuals. That solution doesn't quite work, but there's a similar solution here, which is just scaling things up, making it easier for everyone to get access. I have one final question, which I think is a bit too generic, just about the future of analysis in the media. But I wonder if, based on what you've just said about about this integration of, I suppose, functional data systems into clubs, 
a lot of the people listening to this podcast will obviously be people who are working in the industry who are thinking about things specifically from a club side of things i wondered if you would have just any advice for them from what they could learn from the media and the way that the media is doing analysis right now yeah i think that's a great question i think that i mean one of the things i'd, I'd look to do straight away and it's kind of like putting myself in the shoes of you know if i was the head of analytics at a club how do you how do you answer some of these questions and a lot of it is affecting behaviors and change and and like let's say you're getting away from email and you have people on slack you have kind of like you know certain channels to request certain things like how do you manage the fact that as head of analytics or as analytics writer which is my analog you have a pretty big demand and you don't have a you have a very finite small supply of of time uh, and energy and resource so i think it's like how do you how do you balance those two things i think that for me a lot of the stuff which i have got a lot of value out is learning how to kind of slowly start to build web apps and stuff and and there's a bit of a like i guess a business case side where you work for a company like the athletic there is a pool of devs that can build stuff for you that's different in a club you've got to build that stuff yourself so i think it's you know do you have to build an mvp a, a small version of something and say look if i literally had a week or an afternoon a week or something this could build into something really good it's so hard to to say because i don't have a ton of club experience in the politics and and you actually you know you can't farm out a week in some clubs like it's practically impossible but is there a way that you can get a sign off a budget for a consultant to build something or, or something like that like there are ways to hack your way around time and effort to build things which like, i don't know save you a lot of time in, in the long run really but yeah and then the other thing which i guess we've seen quite a lot of value in is doing i've done a, a webinar last year which is really impactful and people found useful around like what stats are good what are the kind of general misconceptions of stats and what our writers have access to really what can they ask for and just that refresh of getting everyone on the same page is is incredibly useful because you know people make less mistakes they become more proactive and they know what stuff to use and when a lot of it comes back to like education and how you invest your time in educating other people to access the right things learn learn the right things uh, and use stats correctly at the end of the day we don't make decisions at the, at the athletic we make content but my target is to make content better at a club it's how can we make decisions better and how can we make things uh, better on the pitch really and all of this really is is playing into that and the part of data and telling stories with it is super super important well tom thank you so much for coming on today no worries really enjoyed it thank you that was tom warville of the athletic if any listeners want to follow tom he can be found at warville on twitter and all his writings and podcasts can be found at theathletic.com We'll be back next month with an episode on using data to quantify injuries. But until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it, and check out all the content that is going out from Analytics FC on our Twitter account, at Analytics FC. Goodbye.